Well, the last time we met, I think we <coughs> looked at how to interpret the book of Revelation. And the uh, general tendency was, and given was, that we would look into the book of the Revelation of Jesus Christ. Mm-hmm. And so we're in chapter 1 this evening. I know some older Bibles have the Revelation of St. John the Divine. So it's not the Revelation of John, it's the Revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, and this is what really particularly comes in this first chapter, as he's revealed to the Apostle John. So let's read through chapter 1. Chapter 1 of Revelation. The revelation of Jesus Christ, which God gave him to show his servants, things which must shortly take place. And he sent and strengthened and signified it by his angel to his servant John, who bore witness to the word of God and to the testimony of Jesus Christ to all the things that he saw. Blessed is he who reads and those who hear the words of this prophecy and keep these things which are written in it, for the time is near. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, Turkey today, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come, and from the seven spirits, that's the Holy Spirit, who are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead, and the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. Behold, he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him and they who also pierced him and all the tribes of the earth will mourn because of him. Even so, Amen. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. I, John, both your brother and companion in tribulation, and in the kingdom and patience of Jesus Christ, was on the island that was called Patmos, for the word of God, and for the testimony of Jesus Christ. I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day, and I heard behind me a loud voice, as of a trumpet, saying, I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. And what you see, write in a book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, to Ephesus, to Smyrna, to Pergamon, to Thyatira, to Sardis, to Philadelphia and to Laodicea. Then I turned to see the voice that spoke with me. Having turned, I saw seven golden lampstands. And in the midst of the seven lampstands, one like the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the feet, and girded about the chest with a golden band. His head and his hair were white like wool, wool as white as snow, and his eyes like a flame of fire. <clears throat> his feet were like fine brass, as if refined in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters. He had in his right hand seven stars, Out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was like the sun shining in its strength. And when I saw him, 
I fell at his feet as dead. But he laid his right hand on me, saying to me, Do not be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives and was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And I have the keys of Hades and of death. Write the things which you have seen, and the things which are, and the things which will take place after this. The mystery of the seven stars which you saw in my right hand, and the seven golden lampstands, the seven stars are the angels, or pastors, of the seven churches, and the seven lampstands which you saw are the seven churches. Well, the lot in that chapter, how far we go, I don't know. But uh, if you look at verse 1, things must shortly take place. Now clearly what we know in the book of Revelation did not take place immediately. And I explained last time that the word shortly takes place is the Greek entaxes. And it's not the soonness of an event to happen happening quickly or very soon but rather when it does happen it happens very suddenly mm. whenever that time should be we mentioned that last time it's not the soonness of an event like all the events in the book of Revelation much of that causes to a future as we know so the beginning of the revelation of Jesus Christ to the Apostle John this wonderful description which we saw in the middle there so John is total right 12 times. Interesting. The Holy Spirit supervises every word given to John and the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. The position of this word will be fulfilled precisely as you read it. And that's very important. It's a book, of course, to encourage Christians, and particularly those who are persecuted today. It's meant to encourage them. And of course, the Apostle John was there on the island of Patmos. He was there suffering because he was an apostle and a witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. And throughout the book, we know that the various pictures of people being martyred for Christ and suffering for Christ, just like John was himself. But in all this, the Lord Jesus Christ is on the throne. He is supreme. Look from verse 5 to encourage us. This would encourage the persecuted believers and encourage John as a revelation was given to him. Verse 5. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead at this resurrection, the most important person, first person to rise from the dead and not die like Lazarus and Jairus' daughter. And the ruler over the kings of the earth. There it is. Isn't that wonderful? Whatever we may see in the world today, with all this chaos and turmoil, Jesus is on the throne. Amen. He's in charge. Hallelujah. And that comes through in this very first chapter. He is the ruler over the kings of the earth. Then and now and will be whatever. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood, he has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, and to him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. He's on the throne. And he's going to make us kings and priests as he has done and we shall reign with him as chapter 5 says on the earth in the millennium with him. What a glorious privilege. Amen. Jesus Christ the Lord the King of Israel as he will be he is ruling and he's made us kings and priests. 
and verse 7, as you've got here a quick survey of this, that this is the second advent. Coming with clouds, Matthew 24, and every eye will see him. That's not the rapture, because every eye will not see us go. Nobody will see us go. Gone like that. But when the Lord Jesus Christ comes and descends to the Mount of Olives, the glory shines around and the world will know he is back. All around the world. And of course it says all the people of the earth will mourn because of him. Why? Because they, our sin put him to death. And that glorious truth comes in several times. Uh, in verse 8 and similar with verse 17 and 18. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord, and everything that's in between. Who is living, who was in eternity, and who is to come, second coming. He is the Almighty, El Shaddai. He is the Almighty. When it speaks of Psalm 91 about the Lord God Almighty, it's Jesus. So that's just a very brief sort of look at the initial verses here. So let's just have a look at verse 3. Look at verse 3 while we're there. Here's a promise. It's a promise to every believer. Blessed is he who reads. That's this book, of course. Those who hear the words of this prophecy when it's preached. Not many doing that today. And to keep in your life, in your heart, in your mind, the things which are written in it. But the time is near, meaning when the time comes, it will be sudden and dramatic when the fulfillment of so much of this takes place very, very suddenly. But it says it's an open book. Blessed he who reads. It's open to everybody to read, Christian and non-Christian, for that matter. It's an open book, but it's a neglected book, isn't it? Don't you think so? Mm. Satan hates it because it tells us of his end. God is on the throne and the unveiling or the revealing the curtain is drawn aside to reveal the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ described from verse 13 onwards. Wonderful person. One day we shall see him in all his glory and we shall be like him as well. Genesis to Revelation. Genesis and Revelation are like bookends of the word of God. Now I eventually want to give you a parallel description of Genesis similar to a, a parallel to the book of Revelation but that's probably next week, not now. So all these things are the beginning of the revelation of Jesus Christ. The word revelation or unveiling is this word apocalypse. It's, an it's a drawing of a curtain to one side to reveal all that is going to happen particularly from chapter 6 right through. All that is very clearly future. And when we look at the seven churches, in Revelation 2 and 3, we'll get to them, each one individually we look at. That's a picture of the church prophetically about the church age. But more of that when we get there. Yes, Satan hates this book. From Genesis to Revelation, tells us about him. Tells us in Genesis about his fall. Revelation tells us about his end in the lake of fire. Hallelujah. <laughs> so he hates this book. It tells us where he's going. That's certainly true. But the Lord Jesus Christ here, if we just 
Just have a look at these verses from verse 13. What's the description? The seven lampstands, of course, are the churches. And they're in the midst of them back there in that time. Now, those seven churches existed in John's day. This is written, by the way, about AD 96, the last book to be written. And there is the Lord Jesus Christ, standing, as it were, in the midst of the seven lampstands. He's in every place. He's with us today, here, right now, and in the true church of the Lord, with them. We don't yet see him, but he promised to be with us, never to leave us. So here he is, the Son of Man. That's a Jewish phrase, incidentally. Clothed with a garment down to the feet, girded about the chest with a golden band, in verse 13. This is his high priestly dress. He's our great high priest. He intercedes for us. He talks to the Father for us. I hope he's talking to the Father for us tonight. Mm. I feel sure that he is. This is his wonderful description. In verse 14, Head and hair white like wool, as white as snow, eyes like a flame of fire. This is his description of his eternal nature. It's not that he's old, white hair. No, no. This is his eternal nature and his purity. His purity, whiteness and righteousness. Feet like fine brass in verse 15. He's been through the furnace. It's just like brass. When it's composed. It's been through the furnace to compose brass. Jesus has been through the furnace of affliction of the cross and being cursed for us, taking our curse upon himself, judged for us as the furnace of the cross. So he's been there. His voice and sound of many waters in verse 15, that is eternality, his supreme God. What a revelation to the Apostle John. Verse 16, out in his right hand, seven stars. He's got the leaders of the churches in his hands. He's got the seven churches in there. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the church in his hands. And the apostate church too. So there in, what a wonderful description in verse 16. Right hand. Right hand of power. When you see the right hand, it comes through many places in the scriptures. It's the right hand of omnipotence, power and control. Almightiness, that's him. Out his mouth with a sharp two-edged sword. When we get to the end of the book of Revelation, that sharp sword is going to slay the Gentile nations who rejected him. He's going to put them to the sword. But of course, the sharp two-edged sword is his word, isn't it? Mm. The word goes out of his mouth, things happen like that. So here's his almighty nature, his deity. And... Uh, his whole countenance, his very appearance, his face, his whole appearance, like the sun shining in his strength. My, you think of the transfiguration? There he was, and Peter, James, and John, Moses, and Elijah joined them up on the Mount of Transfiguration, probably Mount Hermon, there's snow dazzling. And there he was, his whole brilliance shone, it shone out, Shekinah glory, shone out from in all glory and majesty, Shekinah splendor. Terrific. That's him. Like the sun shining in his strength. What a wonderful description. Isn't it amazing how John was able to grasp this and write it down? It must be very difficult to try and grasp this and write it down, but he had the Holy Spirit to give him the words to say. And of course, what a fearful experience. He was flat on his face. Oh, he was flat on his face. Look at verse 17. I felt as if I was, felt 
on my flat on my face. I fell at his feet as dead. But oh, his knee kind, gracious shepherd, he lifted his hand. John, come on, stand up on your feet. Stand up, stand up. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. I am the first and the last. I am he who lives, was dead. Behold, I am alive forevermore. I've got the keys of Hades and of death. Hallelujah for that. So that's what we're looking at today. And the apocalypse, the unveiling, the drawing back of all the preceding. And God is on the throne. It unveils Jesus Christ. It reveals the Father too. And here Jesus, yes, he's a prophet. Much of his prophecy is in his Gospels. But he's a prophet here telling about the future to the Apostle John. He writes it down. He's a prophet. He's a king. He's a high priest. Hallelujah. He's a judge of the nations. We meet him at the judgment of all throne of Christ. That's later when we go. And for the world, his divine justice and retribution. Go back to Second Thessalonians with me, would you? <coughs> Second Thessalonians, go to chapter one. Second Thessalonians, chapter one. I think verses six to nine. This is what this is all about. The revelation of Jesus Christ to the world is here. Second letter to the Thessalonian Christians. In chapter 1, and look at verses 6 to 9. I'll read them. It is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you. Well, you better look out when you persecute Christians. Mm -hmm. And to give you who are troubled rest with us when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. They shall be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power. Wow. What a description. Well, that, of course, is displayed as we work through the book of Revelation. That's exactly what it will be. Quite amazing. Now, just before Revelation, go back a page to Jude. It's interesting that the book, the little letter of Jude, is before the book of Revelation. But the, clearly there are links. Look, for example, in verse 15 of Jude, verse, there's only one chapter, chapter 1, verse 15. Jude, verse 15. End of verse 14 says, The Lord is coming with ten thousand of his saints. He's coming out with him, you see, when he comes to earth. Verse 15, To execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly. Notice how many times the word ungodly is here. All who are ungodly, among them of all their ungodly deeds, which they have committed in an ungodly way, and all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. Is their retribution coming? The world won't get away with this. That's certainly true. So it's no accident this little letter by Jude is just before the book of Revelation. Well, we know, of course, that this is their wrath. We shan't see that. 
this is the period of what will be when we get there, the day of the period of the Great Tribulation. It's called the Day of the Lord. Look at verse 10 of Revelation 1, back there now. Revelation 1, verse 10. John says, I was in spirit on the Lord's day. That's not Sunday. Huh. It's meant to be the day of the Lord. Because it's this picture of judgment. Illustrated. I was in the spirit on the day of the Lord. So his, his whole spirit, just like Daniel, and just like Ezekiel, carried forward or carried backward in vision form. I was in the spirit on the day of the Lord. That's the day of Terrible times later on in the book. It's a day of. Joel has a wonderful picture of that. I was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and this is what he receives, this is what he hears. All these terrible things are going to happen. For the one who's off and Omega, the first and the last, and he's told to write all these events, all this in 22 chapters as we have it. So, nothing can be taken away from this word. The Lord is going to keep his word fully and completely, word by word. It is a revelation of him and his purposes for the church, for Israel, and the nations. That's everybody. And eventually, when we get toward the end of the book of Revelation, there's a glorious picture of the millennium, Christ ruled upon the earth, and the new earth, and new heaven to be created. Wonderful. What a breath. What a breath. Verse 16 in chapter 1 of Revelation says, Here's one, he holds in his right hand everything. His whole appearance like the sun shining in its strength. What an effect on John. Shows his power, shows his greatness. Wonderful. This is it. And you see, there's reward for faithful Christians. Now right through the tribulation saints, many of those are martyred, we know that. The Apostle John, so the historians say, he was not martyred. But he did go through the experience somehow when he's put in boiling oil. Don't ask me how he escaped, I don't know. But the historians say, but he was terribly persecuted, then put on the island of Patmos. He was then released and went back to Ephesus as a very old man. Well, that's a bit of church history going way back. So, now look. There is the apocalypse. Genesis speaks about creation. The book of Revelation at the end speaks about recreation. The millennium. It will go back to what it was before the fall, almost. And then the new earth and new heaven in which dwells righteousness. That will be like before the fall as well. Wonderful. Right? Go back to Genesis. Go right way back to Genesis. And chapter 49. Chapter 49. And look at verse 10. Chapter 49, verse 10. Now this whole chapter is a series of prophetic revelations given by the Lord to the different tribes of Israel. And this relates uh, to Judah, and, of course, Jesus himself, if you find here, Judah is a lion's whelp, verse 9. The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, that's control and power, until Shiloh comes. 
That is the name of the Messiah, Jesus. Jesus. And to him shall be the obedience of the people be. Believers and unbelievers, they have to obey him. And he will judge them. He has the scepter, kingly rule, in his hand. As a great comfort to those who are going through hard times as believers. Wonderful that. Go to Numbers chapter 24. Later on, chapter 24. Numbers 24. We know this is uh, a word of the prophet Balaam. Well, he's a false prophet from Iraq. Chapter 24 and verse 17. This is what Balaam said. Strange this. We don't understand it. No. He's a pagan prophet, yet he's speaking <coughs> the word of the Lord. Amazing. I see him, but not now. I behold him, but not near. A star shall come out of Jacob, out of Israel. A scepter shall arise out of Israel. Batter the brow of Moab, destroy all the sons of Tumult. Ah. Moab is a picture of evil idolatry and false worship and hatred of Israel and hatred of the God of Israel. He's going to batter them and destroy the sons of the Tumah. There's going to be a great tumult and disturbance in the great tribulation period. What we have now is nothing to be compared with it. Go to Psalm 45, if you will. A bit more description. Psalm 45. Beautiful psalm, this. It's headed up, well, these are not inspired, but it's headed up the Messiah and his bride. I spoke about this at the convention recently. In Psalm 45, look at verses 6 and 7. Here again, link all these scriptures together. Genesis 49, 10. Numbers 24, 17, Psalm 45, 6, 7, and 11. Psalm 45, verse 6. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. A scepter, there it is again, of righteousness is the scepter of your kingdom, your rule, when you come. You love righteousness and hate wickedness. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, Messiah. All your garments are sent with myrrh and aloes and cassia. Myrrh is a picture of suffering. Aloes, cassia, fragrance. That's his character. Go down to verse 11. This is what the Lord says to the church. The king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord. Worship him. And all his majesty and glory. Mm. Tremendous, isn't it? Mm. Now go to the book of Hebrews, chapter 1. Glorious letter, this. Wonderful introduction in chapter 1 of the Lord Jesus. And it's quoted what we just read. Hebrews 1, verses 8 and 9. Quoting this in Psalm. 8 and 9, Hebrews 1. But to the Son... He says, as the Father, Your throne, O God, 
the father talking to his son. Oh God, you're the son. God. Is forever and ever a sceptre of righteousness. Is a sceptre of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated lawlessness. Therefore, your God, God, your God, has anointed you with the oil of gladness more than your companions. He's greater than all. This is a wonderful introduction to the Lord Jesus in the letter to the Hebrews. This is his majesty. This is his glory. This is his triumph. This is his scepter of reigning. How encouraging. Mm. Terrific, isn't it? Yeah. Back to Revelation in chapter 1. Look in verse 4. Seven spirits. Well, what do we mean by the seven spirits? Well, this is the Holy Spirit. The number seven is the number for fullness and completeness. If you go back to Isaiah 11, it further explains it. Isaiah chapter 11. What is this sevenfold? Chapter 11, Isaiah. Chapter 11 of Isaiah. Look at verses 1 and 2. Isaiah 11, 1 and 2. There shall come forth a rod from the stem of Jesse, David, Judah, kingship, and a branch, that's the Lord, wonderful study on branch, shall grow out of his roots. The Spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him. Now look at the Spirit of Wisdom, one. Spirit of Understanding, two. Spirit of Counsel, three. Spirit of Might, four. Spirit of Knowledge, five. The fear of the Lord is upon him, six. Verse 3, his delight is in the fear of the Lord. He shall not judge by the sight of his eyes. So he has all-seeing power. Sevenfold of the Lord Jesus and of course the Trinity, Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Almost you can't divide them. Same qualities. Sevenfold Spirit of the Lord. The Spirit of Counsel, the Holy Spirit, came upon Jesus. That's wonderful scripture, isn't it? Fullness of divine purpose and power. Look in verse 4 and verse 5 of, Rev- of Isaiah 11, verse 4. But with righteousness he shall judge the poor. And decide with equity, that's fair play, for the meek of the earth. He shall strike the earth with the rod of his mouth. That's his judgment on the other side. With the breath of his lips he shall slay the wicked, the sword out of his mouth. Righteousness shall be the belt of his loins, faithfulness the belt of his waist. That's what you saw in Revelation 1, his high priestly God. That's the Lord Jesus Christ in in the description there, very clearly. So in the Lord Jesus Christ, as the Holy Spirit, perfection, completeness, fullness, wholeness, fullness of deity, Fullness of divine purpose. That's him. He's your Lord. He's your Saviour. That's only just a description in chapter 1 so far. Verse 5 of Revelation 1 says, He's the firstborn from the dead, risen from the dead. Firstborn means the most important person of all. And so he is. He's the ruler over the kings of the earth, that we know. And here he is. 
one who's first born from the dead, death could not hold him. That's what we find in Acts and Psalm 16, I think. Death couldn't hold him. He's the one who has and can loose the power of death for every believer. Those who die in Christ, absent from the body, present with the Lord. One day the resurrected new body will join with the Spirit from heaven. He has all power. What a wonderful purpose that is. You and I are loosed from our sins, aren't we? Loosed from our sins. Hallelujah. The Father's forgotten them, blotted out like a thick cloud to be remembered no more. If we confess our sin, he's faithful to us to forgive us and cleanse us more unrighteous and he won't remember it. 1 John 1 9. That's right. Yeah, you've got it. He doesn't remember our sin. What he sees in you and me is the Lord Jesus Christ, his Son, God. being formed in us. One day we shall be like him, one day we shall see him as he is. What a picture of his majesty here. Mm. What a picture of his power here, his almighty. Wonderful, isn't it? Look in verse 6 while we're there. He has made us kings and priests to his God and Father, but he's the supreme king. He's the supreme son. He's the supreme high priest. But he's given us so much. Glorious, isn't it? Mm. He's made us kings and priests, so we are royalty. Dear friend, you know that? Praise God. You're royalty. Thank you, Lord. Only king, queen, whatever. Mm-hmm. Royalty. Sons and daughters of the Lord God Almighty. Thank you. Jesus Christ, our Saviour and your Lord. A friend? Yes, he is. You're my friends if you do what I say. What a relationship we have. The Lord of glory says this to you and I. One displayed in this tremendous chapter, he's that to all of us. The royalty of the redeemed. The royalty of the redeemed. Isn't that glorious? Go to 1 Peter. Go back a bit from Revelation 1 to 1 Peter. First Peter, in chapter 2. First Peter, chapter 2, in verse 9. I'll let you find it. Mm. Now, Peter's writing to Jewish believers here. So this has a link, of course, with Israel, being a priestly nation as well. But to believers. First Peter, chapter 2, in verse 9. But you are chosen generation, yes. A royal priesthood... There's a royalty, a holy nation, his own special people, Mm. that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into his marvellous light. Once you were not a people, but now you are the people of God, verse 10, who have not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Wonderful. Mm. Now you have that unbreakable relationship with the Father and with the Son and the indwelling Holy Spirit. Oh, what a book this is. Mm. The Lord Jesus Christ in his eternality is an uncreated being. Jehovah's Witnesses, you've got it all wrong. Mm. He's an uncreated person. He entered into time in a human body in order to become our Saviour and Redeemer. Hallelujah. Mm. Amen. 
Go back to Hebrews 12. Back to Hebrews. Pardon? Yeah, purchase. Absolutely right. Yes. Thank you, Val. That's quite right. Thank you. Yes, purchased indeed. Hebrews 12 then. Look back there a bit more. Chapter 12 of Hebrews. And look at the last uh, verse 28. Verse 28 of Hebrews 12, verse 28. Hebrews 12, 28. Now this is a promise to believers. Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken because the king's in control, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Because verse 29 is also true. For our God is a consuming fire. Full of grace to his redeemed ones. Fire, retribution, judgment to the unbelieving world. What's coming? We'll see that later on in the book of Revelation. Of course we know that. Wonderful, isn't it? Just before the book of Revelation, no, it's Jude. Let's go to Jude again. and Look at the last two words. This is what's going to happen to you and to me. In the mighty hands of your Saviour, the Lord God Almighty. The last two verses of Jude, 24 and 25. Now to him who is able to keep you. He's able to keep you. Mm. Never to be taken out of his hands. No man shall pluck you out of the hands of Jesus. No man shall pluck you out of the hands of the Father. Hallelujah. He is able to keep you from stumbling. And to present you faultless one day before his presence of his glory with exceeding joy. Who's going to have the greater joy? You or him? Both, I think. Rejoicing of the shepherd over his sheep that he's got with him. He's going to have joy over you. That's wonderful, isn't it? To God our Saviour, who alone is wise, be glory and majesty dominion and power it's coming both now he's still on the throne Lord of the church and forever Amen, Amen. so be it Amen. let it happen <coughs> Amen Hallelujah that's true enough alright just turn over the page again to Zechariah to Revelation and look at verse 7 he is coming with clouds and every eye will see him that's the second coming not the rapture they also who pierced him, that's the Jewish people, um, you all say to me, all the tribes of the earth, all the nations of the earth, were mourn because of him, even so, amen, and it will be so as well. Mm-hmm. Now I love the book of Zechariah, tremendous book of prophecy, greatly neglected. Go back to the last book, but one in the Old Testament to Zechariah. Malachi is the last one, and we want Zechariah. Chapter 12, Zechariah chapter 12. Well, two verses. First one's in chapter 12 and verse 10. Zechariah 12 and verse 10. This is a promise of the Lord to Israel. He's king of Israel, you know. Chapter 12, verse 10 of Zechariah. I will pour, this is the Lord speaking, isn't it? I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication then they will look on me whom they have pierced that's what we read in Revelation 1 
They will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son. He is the only son of Israel. And grieve for him as one grieves for a firstborn. Yes. How true that is. Go to chapter 14, verse 4. In that day his feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. That's the second coming to the earth. Which faces Jerusalem on the east. And the Mount of Olives was split in two from east to west. And so on. His feet will stand on the Mount of Olives. He promised it. And in Revelation 1 verse 7, you've got it there, go back there. He's coming with clouds, and I was him, and they who pierced him. Well, the Jewish people had their responsibilities, well, of course. Word Amen comes several times in this letter, or book. In chapter 1, Amen. It means so be it, quite definitely, and for sure, absolutely, certainly, surely, and positively. Mm. Well, that's our man. Definitely, assuredly, absolutely, certainly, surely, positively. Without any doubt, whatever. Amen. So be it. Isn't that terrific, isn't it? Well, what about that? How do we perhaps think about this? In verse 8 of Revelation 1, just quickly. I am the Alpha and Omega, the beginning and the end, says the Lord who is, who was, and who is to come, the Almighty. Go back to Genesis. No, don't go now, just think about it. (laughs) God gave the first word, and he'll have the last word. Amen. 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 That's right. Go to the last chapter of Revelation. To the very last verse. Chapter 22. We take the last two. The last chapter. Look at verses 20 and 21. Chapter 22. 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things. Who is that? The Lord. And John of course. What is the Lord saying? Surely I am coming quickly. I am coming suddenly. Maybe not soon but suddenly. Amen. See the word? That's it. Amen. Even so, come Lord Jesus. That's what we say. Verse 21, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The last word. He is the last word. He will have the last word. He had the first one too. In Genesis, didn't he? Why do people say amen when it says amen? Amen, amen, doesn't matter which. (laughs) (laughs) Whichever you like. In Revelation chapter 1, go back there again, we'll quickly come more or less to an end. In chapter 1, verse 8, we've got that he is the Almighty. That's Psalm 91, we won't go to, but it means El Shaddai. We looked at El Shaddai, I think, once before maybe. Comes from the Hebrew word Shad, which means breath. Come close to God's breast. Oh, I love that. Those who are suffering in Christ, suffering persecution, suffering illness, suffering bereavement, whatever it is, come close. The Lord's breast. Come close. He said, come close to me. His character's coming out tonight, isn't it? His character's coming out. He's the God who nourishes you spiritually and look after you physically. He's the one who gives life. He's the firstborn from the dead and he's the one to give life. Resurrection. 
and give a new beginning. A new beginning. The real beginning, Genesis 1. The recreation, and book of Revelation. Wonderful, isn't it? He is the creator God and the recreator God who's given us new life, salvation. He always breathes life into any situation for his own people. The Holy Spirit is the breath of God. The Ruach, the wind of God. That's who he is. He is the one who ends death for the believer. If we should die, not be raptured. The moment we die, straight to be with the Lord. The body decays, we'll have a new body soon. Amen. Now look in complete contrast to verse 9 of Revelation 1. Verse 9. This is what he says. This is John writing. He says, I am your brother, he writes, and your companion in tribulation. Not the great tribulation, but in the terrible times of persecution. In that day, <coughs> under the Roman Empire and the emperors, and indeed right through today. He says, look at this, I am your brother and companion in tribulation. Now that comes from the Greek word tribulum. Tribulum. What that word means? It's a thrashing instrument of torture. How many Christians then went to the lions mm. <coughs> or just food for other beasts? Mm. Tribulation. Christians went through the threshing floor of torture from their fellow human beings. That's very sobering, isn't it? when you think about it. It's a punishment whip. It's called a scorpion. When Jesus was whipped, there was pieces of bone and metal tied into the thongs, lashed across his body until it was nearly ripped to shreds. And Isaiah 53 says, and 52, he was unrecognizable. This is what's going to happen in his retribution and judgment upon the unbelieving of this earth when he comes. Revelation 19 has a sword which will destroy all the living nations who, just, who rebel against him. This is the Lord of glory. This is God the Son. <coughs> this is who he is. And he says, look, I am in this tribulum, in this tribulation. I've been suffering too, says John. <coughs> but this is nothing compared with what this world who rejects him, who hate him, is going to suffer at his hand. It's going to be the instrument of torture. It's going to be the instrument of punishment. <coughs> like this whip, the tribulum. It's like this scorpion that whipped and shredded people. That's what he's going to do to this earth, to the people who rebel against him. This is God's righteous judgment against those who have nothing to do with him, rebelling in their own way. But you can see what John says here. I am your brother and companion 
in tribulation and in the kingdom. And patience. Patience. Isn't that incredible? Patience. Patience in the Lord's kingdom. He's in control. We can be at peace and have patience. While we are going through some hard times. We don't know much about hard times, do we? No. Other Christians do. And the day of the Lord mentioned in verse 10 is the day of the Lord, not Sunday, not the Lord's day. This is the day of the Lord projected in the future. The day of the Lord are those chapters from chapter 6 through to 19. The day of the Lord, you can read through the three chapters of Joel and see the splendid description of that terrible day of the tribulum to come upon an unbelieving world. And when we get through the trumpet judgments announce the judgments after the seal judgments and following that is the bowl judgments. There's not going to be much left here, is there? Seven twelfths of this world's population (coughs) can be killed in the Great Tribulation. It says a quarter and a third. That's seven twelfths in fractions. Over half. That's in the Tribulation, let alone what happens after it when he comes. Let's finish at verse 11. I am the Alpha and the Omega. A good place to finish. The first and the last. He says to John, What you see, write in the book and send it to the seven churches which are in Asia, Ephesus, Smyrna, Pergamos, Thyatira, Sardis, Philadelphia, and Laodicea. We get there eventually in chapter 2 and 3. That's something, isn't it? Mm-hmm. The Lord sees the church of all the church age. Well, 2,000 years now. He sees it all. He's in control of it all. Even apostasy. He permits it. But he's forming his body. He's forming his true church. He's forming his people to take with him for eternal life in heaven. And to come back and rule with him in the millennium. He's the author. He's the beginning. He's the Omega, the end, first and last. And he says to John, now write down what I tell you. And he did. Right through to the end of chapter 22.